this is the Wednesday Night Wars here on Suplex Retweet Extra. No, I am not David Hockney. David Hockney is off with his face in the snow. And no, I don't mean that as a euphemism for he's visiting Charlie Sheen. He is currently in So we needed people to fill in for the Wednesday Night Wars that David Hockney does so well every week. And we are the people. Me being Ross McLeod and the we being my co-host, Jack Graham. Jack, how are you? I'm very well. And just to reiterate again, we are the people that are doing this show. Yes, thank you very much for joining me here today, Jack. Just welcome to the party that is Wednesday Night Wars. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be here. Well, so just before we begin, just a wee bit of housekeeping. SuplexRetweet.com, that's where you'll find the links to Suplex Retweet Extra and Suplex Retweet's uh, normal uh, feed or main feed with our shows and our interviews on it. You can find it at your listening device of choice. And Suplex Retweet also has the links to your social media account of choice, be it Facebook, be it Instagram, be it Twitter, be it YouTube. We are there. We, the people, are on these devices. Do I see how many references we can get in here, Jack? I say we try to get as many as possible. Uh, uh, we'll go for 55, right? Um, <laughs> good, good. So we're just going to do it a wee bit differently from the way David does it. Um, show's going to be an hour long. We're going to give half an hour to NXT, just sort of run down what was a really stacked show on NXT, I believe, this week. One of the best in recent memory for me. Oh, definitely. I was uh, there wasn't a bit that I like, wasn't looking forward to when I saw like what was the kind of preview. I thought everything looks kind of good. Yeah, your first appearance in your cruiserweight champion, the intrigue of what Charlotte was going to do. It was a lot that was kind of building to for a good show. They're ramped up. They, I believe, on the sixteenth of February, are having NXT Takeover Portland, and AEW themselves had an action-packed show. Not quite as amped up, I would believe, you know, because they still have three weeks to their show. They're doing it on the 27th of February, but still lots of storylines progressing there. And we'll go into detail on the brutal moment that closed Dynamite, the lashing. Oh, yeah, definitely. It was, uh, also when I saw what was meant to be happening in the show, I wasn't like that kind of too impressed. Oh, it's nothing, nothing too special. But then from what happened during it, for me, it's probably one of the best AEW Dynamite shows has been, period. Yeah, definitely. It's one that's got the wrestling world talking. So we'll just set the timer for 30 minutes here and we'll start discussing all things NXT. So NXT, as usual, coming to you from Full Sail University. And we kick things off with the winners of the Dusty Cup. Matt Riddle looking as happy as ever. Pete Dunn looking like he'd rather be doing a big shop. Uh, coming out in the brand new Broserweight mobile. <laughs> what did you make of this? Oh, I thought it was I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was like a, a perfect way for the show to start. Kind of had the kind of bit of a kind of I wouldn't say ticked off a bit of a kind of what what the fuck are you doing? Riddle who was going over the top with like the kind of celebrations. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, Pete looks like the sort of person he likes a quiet night in. You know, a wee vegan steak bake in bed by nine o'clock. Whereas, <laughs> <laughs> whereas Matt is sort of a party boy, and I think they're straight man and they're you know 
bumbling, dafty sort of routine works really well together. Um, so they come out, they talk about how they're going to go off to, you know, NXT Portland, they're going to beat the Undisputed Era. And speaking of the Undisputed Era, one of five appearances by them tonight, uh, the Undisputed Era come out. Matt, uh, sorry, Roderick Strong says, no, you, no, there you go, first botch of the night. <laughs> uh, I was a bit, I feel like somebody's grand. I'm just going to say everybody's name before I get to the right one. Bobby, Roddy, Andy, Alex, Frank, Anne-Marie, <laughs> Kyle O'Reilly um, comes out and says, no, you're Matthew Riddell and you're Peter Doon and you're making a mockery of tag team wrestling. And Matt Riddle just makes a mockery of them. He just sits and goes, how much fish would Bobby Fish fry if Bobby Fish could fry fish? How long do you think that's going to be till that's on a t-shirt? Well, they probably already got it sorted. They're just waiting for like, maybe they'll punt it the Wednesday before takeover. Yeah, I think uh, I think they're going to have to be quick with it because I don't see uh, Dunn and Riddle lasting as a team long. I think they're losing at takeover and I actually think whoever takes the pinfall is getting turned on by their partner. That's very old. I don't think I don't think that will happen, but I do reckon they will. They will lose the belts at this show, and then I think it's the as I've said in quite a few things, it's the start of the downfall of the undisputed era. That's fair enough. Um, so you think undisputed era will lose and continue the downfall? I think Riddle and Dunn break up and start a feud. Only one way. To find out what happens and that's actually to watch NXT take over Portland in a week on Sunday why it'll be a, it'll be a good match it's like also I get the kind of also makeshift tag team they shouldn't have the belts but you can make them have the belts for a bit and then even at the next takeover they could lose to some other team and then they could start a rivalry with one person turning the other but I think there's a I think this is the right time for Undisputed Era to lose another belt and then the takeover after that, I'd reckon, is when Cole should lose it. Mm. I like the idea of the downfall of the Undisputed Era. I like the idea of, you know, maybe a fatal four-way. Maybe Adam Cole still retaining the title, and he's the only one with gold. And they all just Aye. decide, you only have that because of us. We want a shot at it. Their final like NXT season. match. Say that again? Like the final NXT kind of match is all against each other for the belt. Yeah, I'd like to see that because remember when we wanted the Shield triple threat and then it just wasn't what we thought it would be? I think an Undisputed Era Fatal 4 way would be everything we want and more and I'd, I'd love to see that. That would be the belt. Again, that's just something that can be like top, top level storytelling. Obviously, we mentioned Undisputed Era uh, come out they say you're making a mockery. Matt Riddle makes a mockery of them. The Undisputed Era retreat. However, it's the first of five segments. We're going to see them four more times before the night's over. You can never get enough of them. You can never get enough of them when it comes to Undisputed Era. I mean, it, it's sort of ironic that Mr. Hockney, Mr. Adam Cole, baby, who's absolutely in love with Undisputed Era, the one week they're in like five segments, he's away, you know, He's away with the suplex retweet extra credit card. He's skiing <laughs> down 
happens. He's he's running up a bar tab, you know, mulled wine and hot apple cider. Clearly, the, clearly the love isn't uh, neutral between Undisputed and David Hockney, much like anyone else in David Hockney. <laughs> I'm sitting here, you know, with a, a 1.5 litre of Coke and left their celebrations for Christmas. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm doing it the ones nobody wants. I've got a couple of Snickers and a bounty or two. It's, it's like... the worst. <laughs> but, and to take a quote for the Ryans, anyway, back to the wrestling. Uh, <laughs> we get our first match tonight. We get former Cruiserweight champion Angel Garza, who does not look upset, upset in the slightest that he's lost his Cruiserweight title. Comes out, he's laughing, he's joking, he's having a bit of fun. He takes on Isaiah Swerve Scott. I'd, I'd like to get your opinion on Swerve. My brother Scott absolutely loves him. I think he's got a good moveset. He's got that sort of creator wrestler moveset that you absolutely love like in the video games. But as a character, I just don't find him interesting. Like, I, I can't even get invested in him. There's nothing there, I don't think. I see. I'm kind of I'm kind of the same vein as you. Like, there's everything I, I like, most stuff about him, but there's nothing that's like kind of pull me in to be invested in the actual person himself. I think he's got the he's got the look. He's got the moveset. He can do it in the ring, but there's, there's something missing. And I, just, I don't know what it is. I think, obviously, it's not all his fault. You know, I think it might be a bit harsh, but it's just a case of, other than, you know, flips and that, you know, that we see Ricochet do, we see Leo Rush do, we see Tyler Bate do, you know, on all different shows. Like, there's nothing else really there. That and a couple of, you know, whipped over on DMC quotes. You know, who's house, where's house? <laughs> you know, let's just let's get a bit of character building there, you know what I mean? Aye, I get you, I get you. It's a fun match, as you know, all of Scott's matches are. However, as most of these matches in recent times are going, he's taking the pinfall. Angel Garza with the underhook DDT. No Zelina Vega, which I think quite weird. They highlighted his role on taking out Rey Mysterio on Monday Night Raw. Zelina Vega, absent, however... It doesn't seem like he's going to continue the Rey Mysterio feud because after the match, he tells Devlin, keep an eye out for me because I'm coming for you and I'm coming for my title. Yeah, it's quite, it's quite interesting. I, I, I like it in the way that it's, it's kind of keeping what's happening raw and NXT separate. And I think it just kind of shows like he's just going to be on raw for maybe the next couple of weeks just to kind of be a placeholder for when Andrade comes back. And then when Andrade does come back, you're not going to see him again. There is. I think it's just a kind of nice way to keep the feud kind of alive a bit whilst mm-hmm. Andrade's doing his time. Yeah, I'd like to see him maybe go down, like back, not back down, like but like back to NXT. Obviously, as you mentioned, once Andrade's back, and then maybe reappear after WrestleMania, you know, continue the cruiserweight thing up until maybe, you know, take over Tampa at WrestleMania weekend. And then, you know, comes up to Raw, comes up to SmackDown. Because I think <coughs> he's one of these people like, uh, like an Ali or a Ricochet that he can be in the cruiserweight division, but he can also hang on the main roster. I was going to say, like, even though I think he's, He's one of the most important aspects of the cruiserweight division right now, but I don't think he should just. I don't think he should be contained solely just the cruiserweight division because he's 
Not that I'm demeaning the Cruiserweight title, I'm saying this would be so much better than just being kept to that. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. It's something uh, I talk about all the time. You know, 2 old 5 Live is a dead show. You know, it's not its own division anymore. It's, you know, it's, it's NXT and it's like 40 minutes now instead of an hour. There's no storylines there. All the storylines on NXT. So, you know, if WWE aren't going to take it seriously and build a brand, I can absolutely see why people are like, well, no, actually, we don't want to see him contained to the Cruiserweight division. I definitely. I feel that they should just, like, you know, just split up the 205 roster, put half it on NXT, half it in NXT UK, have the title fought between the two, and you can kind of have cross and a promotional rivalries and whatnot. It's just like the 205 live. As fun as, as much as what it could have been, it's just as dead. There's no point. Yeah. I th- as well, you know, you've got, Raw and SmackDown, they'll always be, you know, the top two viewed shows, you know, because they are, you know, the established brands. You've got NXT UK and NXT on the network with, you know, proper built storylines and what have you. 205 Live, you know, it's a lot to ask people to watch four shows, let alone five shows. And 205 Live, I think, has been sullied by reputation, like its past reputation. I definitely it was a uh, didn't do any favors when it was Vince McMahon at the helm. Even like with kind of Triple H and be overseeing things, it's just still a bit of a bit of an afterthought now. Mm-hmm. Um, so we go backstage. Uh, undisputed era. They're looking for chanter. They slap a few jobbers about. They slap some phones at people's hands. <laughs> There's a guy there who just goes, "Hey man, I'm just getting a haircut." <laughs> which I thought was line of the night for me. Just I'm just getting a haircut, man. And I like the Roderick I like Strong, the idea. I just uh, they kind of walked away, and Roderick Strong's like, "Oh, here, come back a wee minute. I want, I want to show you something." And then just <laughs> takes the razor and just right over his head. Mm-hmm. It's proper shit houseery that you just love to see for heels, isn't it? Aye, it's the kind of it's the stuff that like. The stuff that should happen more often, just them being dicks, not just being like kind of dazzling the ring. You want you want your bad guys just to be bastards, pretty much. I always talk as well, Roderick Strong to me, like you see the natural coolness of uh, Kyle O'Reilly. Adam Cole's just a gorgeous looking man. That's why David Hockney fancies him. You've <laughs> got <laughs> you've got Bobby Fish. He's a silent, brooding, cool type, like sort of Batman. To me, Roderick Strong is the one that doesn't really fit in at times. I think he's a great wrestler, but I find him very bland and very, you know, forced. But this here, I thought, was like a bit of fresh air for him. Because, like, you didn't expect it for him. You know, it's the sort of sort of shithouse that you expect for the other three. The, you know, the original Undisputed Era. But Roderick, at times, feels a little forced. And I liked that it was him here because it was me, it made me hate him. Because he was being a heel, not hate him. Because it's like you really just bring the balance of this group down. <laughs> Aye, it's kind of gave him a bit of a I want to shine type thing, and he definitely took it. So, from the cruiserweight division to the big man division, we have two super heavyweights, Killian Dane. Great to see him back in NXT. He's taking on the number one contender for the North American title, Dominic Dijakovic. We see a wee vignette of the Performance Center with Killian Dane saying, what makes you think you're next in line? You're in my way. And Dijakovic just 
quick as a flash. Well, if you try to take my contendership, you're in my way and walks by him. Simple, 10-second promo, all you need here. What did you think of seeing Killian Dane back? I like seeing Killian Dane back. So always, he's always been kind of one of my underrated people in WWE. I've always thought he was fantastic with Sanity. Almost he was a bit, he was a bit hard done by when he got the SmackDown. I love seeing him back at NXT, but I can't think of the last time he's won a, a feud or a match. And it's annoying me because he deserves so much more than that. I think it's okay. Like something I was thinking about in NXT. Like I was thinking how I hadn't seen him since I believe Survivor Series weekend. He was in the triple threat match with Pete Dunne and um, Damien Priest. Sorry, I was thinking he was Ring of Honor in there. I was my my brain was just going Punishment Martinez, Punishment Martinez. I'm like, no, he's not called that anymore. <laughs> it's been a while since we've seen him, but. I feel a lot better if people aren't on NXT for a bit and then come back than I do if they're on what not on Raw and SmackDown for a bit and then come back. You know, you look at Eric Young, he's not been on Raw in about six weeks. And then he showed up just to get, you know, black ass by Alistair Black this week. Uh, he's someone that should go back to NXT. Mm-hmm. Eric Young. I'd, li- I'd like to see the, the NXT tag division is pretty thin at the minute. It just seems to be you know, it, it's kind of hidden by the fact that Undisputed Era have been feuding with, you know, whoever Adam Cole's feuding with. So then when they get allies, they go for the tag titles. And then, you know, when they're feuding with Imperium, it's four on four. I'd like to see Eric Young go back and maybe reform Sanity as like a two-person team. You know what I mean? Like, because you've got Sawyer Fulton and OVE and TNA, he's doing fine. Alexander Wolf is absolutely fine in Imperium. These two are kind of lost, and NXT needs tag teams, so I'd like to maybe see them head back. Aye, so it's a bit of, bit of fantasy booking. If you had, like, Riddle and Dunn beat Undisputed Era at TakeOver in the Wednesday so they're celebrating, then you see Young and Dane attack them, then that'd be kind of starting back, and that'd be the kind of a tag team title match you could feud towards a TakeOver for Mania. And that's how you can put the bells on them for it and done and yeah. riddle yeah. turn each other. Yeah, no, absolutely, I agree with you. Um, but NXT's got an abundance of talented big men. Have you ever heard of the title Progress used to have? It was called the Atlas title. No, I haven't actually, no. So it was meant for men over the 205 Live Cruiserweight limit. So it was essentially a title for big men to fight over. You know, it was like, like uh, Trent Seven, Matt Riddle, Rampage Brown, Walter. He was the last champion before it was unified with the world title. I'd love to see NXT have a title like that, you know, or make it like the women's tag titles where it's, you know, it's on all four brands. Because you have guys like Walter on NXT UK, you know, Braun and Sheamus on SmackDown. You know, even Big Luke Gallows breaking out on his own on Raw. And you've got the likes of Dijakovic, Priest, Lee and Dane on NXT. There's so many big man matches you could have and we're in the era now that the big men aren't these lumbering you know heavy hitters that can't move. No, these guys fly across the ring and I think having a title for them to go after would be really, really cool. I mean, I, I do like the idea of it, but it's just it's I don't want the place to be oversaturated with titles. 
No, I can understand. Like, if it, I, I don't know, it'd be... Uh, it's a weird one, because I was, I, I was going to say, I feel like NXT UK would need another... I think it needs another title. Cause I kind of yeah, they need another title. title. But mm-hmm. that feels fitting. I don't think I'd have a title like that. You could just kind of put it in. It'd just be too... It'd be too much to be, like, kind of forgotten in the wind, I think. I think with NXT, NXT technically has five titles. It has... Um, the North American, the tag team, the women's, the men's, and the cruiserweights. I think if you move the cruiserweight to NXT UK, and then maybe bring, if you were going to bring it in, the big man title, the Atlas title, and NXT, and you know, there's so many people there. Oh, that can work, yeah. So, it's a great um, back-and-forth match. Dane shows, you know, why so many of the source graduates, so many wrestlers leave interviewed who trained at source, talk about him so highly. He had such a big hand in the Scottish scene. Um, but Dijakovic wins the match via Feast Your Eyes. Uh, we get a nice wee stare down after the match as well between Keith Lee and Dijakovic uh, as we see the graphic for Portland to make it official. Dijakovic, Keith Lee. Do you think this match will open the show? And do you think any match could top it if it did? Yes, I think it will open show, and no, I don't think it, can, it will be topped. And that will probably be the match of the night. But maybe not, actually. It could be second to Gargano and Balor. But oh, very, very true, actually. These um, two are big, big boys that have fantastic chemistry with each other, and they mm-hmm. know what to do to make it work. And you'll definitely see it. So... A wee trivia fact for you. See Keith Lee before he was on the War Games team at TakeOver War Games this past um, November. Yes. He was talking about how he's been underutilised, how he's not been on a TakeOver. See, at time of recording, Keith Lee's been on more WWE pay-per-views than he has NXT TakeOvers. That's mad, actually. Mm-hmm. He was on Survivor Series and this past fortnight he was in the Royal Rumble match and his only takeover appearance has been at War Games. So he's 2-1. Mm. He's, just, he's just kind of taking the ball and riding with it, isn't he? He's, quite like, he's just uh, repaying the faith that Triple H and Vince have kind of seen in him to have mm. the kind of spots like that. Yeah. Just to take a wee detour, Obviously, you were on our Royal Rumble review show that's on our main feed, East Week Suplex Retweet. What were your thoughts on Keith Lee and the Rumble? Were you happy with what it was, or do you think it could have been more? I think I was, I was like, I can't remember if I was the only one or if uh, Alan agreed with me, but I said I thought that everything that happened in that Rumble with Keith Lee was perfect. Mm-hmm. It didn't. I agree. It didn't take away anything from his character as being of him being eliminated in like a few minutes by Lesnar. I had that moment where he got his entrance, he walked in, he had Lesnar kind of big them up, saying he's a big boy, who's this? Who's this mother? You know, uh, him kind of looking at him like, oh, this is a bit of a worry here. And to kind of have a bit of a kind of toe-to-toe moment. And then for Bronner to come in as well and then have a total moment for that. I thought it was good. Yeah, I 
I do agree with you actually 100%. I think he was the only person to get the better of Lesnar, like fairly, you know, because Ricochet hits the low blow and that's how McIntyre gets uh, Lesnar out of the match. But um, I think he's the only one that got the better of Lesnar. Then Braun comes in, he's getting the better of Braun and it's only because the two big men are fighting and are distracted that Brock eliminates him. I don't think he was buried. I think Brock sold for him amazingly. Braun, you know, gave him everything he could. I think, as you said, everything with Keith Lee was perfect. And the best thing about it was it kept you wanting more. Yeah, definitely. It's like, you just want him back. You want him back in that spot. <laughs> A Keith Lee, Lesnar match is something that could easily happen now. And folk would want to see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we go backstage for the third Undisputed Era uh, moment of the night. They find Kushida. They start yelling at him. Like, <laughs> as if, if I yell closely to your face, you might understand the language I'm speaking. Like, no, the guy doesn't speak English yet. You know what I mean? He's learning. <laughs> but um, they throw Kushida with no Alex Shelley, which I thought was weird, uh, into a bin. Bronson Reed, another big man for NXT's Proteus division, just saying. <laughs> See, he, he gets in the face. He stares down Adam Cole, Roderick Strong, with a quick knee to the face. Roderick Strong, by the way, MVP of the night for me for Undisputed Era. He knees Bronson Reed in the face, and they continue their rampage around the arena, telling the cameraman, keep following his dweeb. I quite enjoyed this bit. You know, it wasn't just jobbers at this point. It was two established wrestlers. Aye, it was the... Especially the kind of... Especially the Bronson Reed bit, because, like, there was no... You didn't see any kind of hint that Roderick Storm was going to hit him from behind her or whatnot. You just thought they were going to back away and kind of Bronson Reed was checking Kushida. And then it being an attack. It was like all of a sudden it just came from nowhere. And I was like, oh, I kind of like that. They just kind of had the balls to kneel in the face. Mm-hmm. Um, so we then go to, I think, one of the best ways they could have built this feud up. It wasn't a contract signing. It wasn't, you know, somebody getting attacked backstage. This was just Balor and Gargano getting interviewed at the same time. And I thought this was absolutely sensational, this uh, bit, Jack. I thoroughly enjoyed this bit, especially some of the stuff that Gargano came out with. (laughs) Yeah, Gargano said he doesn't want Ron Smackdown, Finn Balor. He doesn't want Finn Balor who used to lose to Bobby Lashley 18 weeks in a row. He wants NXT TakeOver Balor. And you can see Balor actually getting that wee bit annoyed, as if he didn't know that line was coming. And I liked Balor as well, having a wee pop at Johnny Gargano's injuries problems as of late. Just, you might have been waiting for this match, you know, since you got injured. I wanted this match before you get injured, and we would have had it by now, if you could actually get cleared by the doctors. Just stupid wee barbs, you know what I mean? Stupid wee pokes at each other but I thought they were great Hi, it was it was fantastic it's uh, I think it done Gargano quite a bit of favours having that kind of time on the mic not that I'm saying he's not good on the mic but it kind of showcases about it that he can get dead serious he knows how to get under folks skins and you can see it mm-hmm. yeah but that's as well I think he had to get the upper hand here, which I believe he did, for the simple fact Balor's been on TV 
winning matches. You know, he beat uh, di- uh, not Dijakovic, um Dragunov, sorry, at Worlds Collide. You know, so he's got a big pay per view win under his belt. He beat Matt Riddle at Takeover War Games. You know, so he's on a bit of a roll. Whereas Johnny Gargano, you know, he's had one match since he was injured, a tag team match. You know, he's not had that single sort of feud yet. And I think this did him look really well. This was like, yeah, Johnny Gargano's back. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's something that's going to easily capture the fans' interest straight away. We don't hang is because it's them to. I feel that expect expectations are already high. Mm-hmm. And I don't want them. I don't want it to be even if they have a good match, because folk are expecting them to have a great match. I don't want folk to sour on it. I think that's always the danger, you know, with someone at the AJ Nakamura at WrestleMania, uh, twenty eighteen. But no, I think these guys are going to smash it. I hope so. I hope so. Uh, Mercedes Martinez makes a debut on NXT. For the first time as part of a full NXT um, roster, uh, Katie Catanzaro, she's going to take on her. She was meant to have been retired. You know, people thought she had niggling injuries. Um, I quite like this match for the simple fact I didn't know who was getting the push here. But in a fun back and forward match that was over a bit too quickly, I think, uh, Martinez would have won. Jack, anything to add about this match? Uh, no, really, no. As, as, as bad as that sounds, but like, it's just that it is what it is, isn't it? It's just a kind of mm-hmm. a, a vet came in, someone that kind of younger folk can be learn off of, Bill, kind of established her as a kind of a heelish type character that's maybe needed right now. Mm-hmm. That's fair enough, but. I don't have much to talk about myself other than the fact that there was a match. <laughs> um, I think we can both agree. Two good wrestlers, not given enough time. Hopefully see more for them in the future. I can agree with that, yeah. Right, cool, we can move on then. <laughs> um, weakest segment of the night, I think. We go to yet another segment with the Undisputed Era. Only this time, they find Champa, or should I say, Champa finds them first. He takes out three members of the Undisputed Era, a production truck door. He gives chase to Adam Cole, but the odds end up four on one as the other three members get back in the ring. The Brozoweights come out and try to even it up. It's four on three, and then Jack, I've just wrote in my notes, melee. <laughs> it was a melee, that is true. It's, it was a very good melee. Yeah, it was a very good melee. I liked how William Regal came out and you know announced the six man tag for later in the night. And sometimes you know, see when it's getting to a really good brawl and you get the general manager going, stop the fighting, we're going to have a match later, you know, keep it for them. I liked how they all just went, nah, I'm kicking your head in just now. And they all just went for each other. Aye, it's because they've, they've got that kind of disdain for each other because of how the undisputed era are. They are just like pricks that are want to try to get the upper hand as much as they can. So there's always that kind of Instant hatred between the kind of faces and whoever they're on the spirit of the year. So mm-hmm. now I like the idea. I just kind of tell Regal to get to it and just settle out now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jordan Devlin, the new cruiserweight champion, makes his full sale arena debut. He's taking on Tyler Breeze. 
Uh, Devlin with shades of Finn Balor last week when he kicked Trent Seven off the apron during his entrance. Prince Pretty's on the apron, making his pose. Devlin just takes him out. Tyler Breeze feels kind of lost in the shuffle, kind of like Killian Dane since he made his like, big return. Yeah, it's a shame, especially like I think when he came back, I thought the kind of the story had coming back when it was it was at the Forgotten Sons that kept on like attacking him, mm-hmm. and then it was also when Dangle came back and then Breeze Angle got it together, but the the untimely injury of Fandango against kind of put him to this kind of cruiserweight side where he just seems to keep on eating losses. Yeah, he, apparently he was 4-0 on 205 Live. I, I wouldn't know, I haven't watched it. And apparently he lost this past week to Angel Garza. You know, they're kind of keeping Angel Garza strong with the whole Rey Mysterio storyline going back after Devlin. You know, four wins in a row is fine, but then when you're losing two in quick succession to people that are clearly above you in the card, that's when you start to, you know, worry. Like, oh, this... See something as well that breaks my heart to say. I think it's time to give up on Breeze Angle. You know, they were funny in the Fashion Files. They had good matches against the Usos. They had, you know, a fun chemistry with the Ascension. But that's twice that Dango's been injured and then each time it's just given like it's like remember when people in the Shield kept getting injured aye it just got to the point where you're like I don't care anymore this is this is kind of on a smaller scale this is kind of what happened with Breeze Angle I think I think if you were going to take the Cruiserweight division seriously not to you know make make light of Jordan Devlin I think you would have put it on someone like Tyler Breeze, someone who the fans want to see do well. I think he would have brought more eyes to 205 Live. Aye, but I think if that was going to happen, it should have happened months ago. There's no point in it now. You Even if that, did, if that did happen, I still wouldn't watch 205 Live. <laughs> uh, so, this was sort of meant to give Devlin like his big, you know, I've arrived moment. You know, it's his first time in NXT US. It's his first time at Full Sail. I think this match went too long, to be honest. I think, you know, I, lo- I love both guys, but it wasn't as good as I, I hoped. It felt just kind of... Mm. See, I thought this was the best match of the night. Really? Yeah, this is my favourite bit. I felt that, like, it showcased Devlin as uh, the potential he has to be, like, a great cruiserweight champion going up against like Tyler Breeze obviously he just he's lost two times in a row but he's quite a he's quite a competitor for your first match at full sale and to then win it they clearly they both had great chemistry there was hard hitting moments through like the headbutt and fans were like right into it and then his kind of promo after where he was saying well no I'm defending this across three brands who else can do that double bent against Irish Ace I think it was the I think it was a perfect thing for him. Well, Devlin does get the win via the Devlin side suplex. Once this match finishes, we cut to a car backstage. The Queen Charlotte Flair, the 10-time champion, the Royal Rumble winner, she is back in NXT. And they were teasing all night, we're going to have the answer for Charlotte. Will she say yes to Rhea? 
But before we get that, Bianca comes out and says, Rhea must have forgotten about me. She's got right into Charlotte's face. And, you know, it's going to be me that defeats NXT Portland, just hyping up their match. I did the Raw report with Quacko this past week, and he says he feels that Bianca's been overshadowed by this whole Rhea Charlotte thing. Do you feel she's been overshadowed, or do you think that's just Quacko, that Quacko's a big fan of Bianca Belair, or do you think that's just like fan bias coming through? Eh, uh, I can see it as a bit of both, because I feel that like the kind of, I, I, I understand why Quacko feels that, obviously, because he's a bit of a, he's got a bit of a, a love for Bianca, but mm-hmm. I feel like it's maybe needed because I can see uh, at takeover maybe like Charlotte Flair kind of interrupting the match and attacking Rhea, but still kind of does that wee cast aside thing to Bianca. It's like, no, get out of here, you're not welcome. And mm-hmm. I'd like, I'd like for it to be a triple threat match between the three at Mania. I'd see to. Like obviously, I know people hear this and go, "Well, how's losing twice a reward?" But Bianca Belair is so over at the minute. You know, I don't think a loss to the person that's going to go into the most high-profile women's match as champion be that we Ripley. And I'd like to maybe see her face at the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view, get a match against Charlotte, just to go. You know, you disrespected me. I like prove how good I am to you. You know. Have Charlotte take her on at Elimination Chamber. You know, Charlotte would obviously win because she's going in as the Royal Rumble winner. But you could still build, like, on a bigger stage, you know, on a main pay-per-view instead of a takeover. Build up Bianca Belair's star the same way you did at the Royal Rumble. Uh, that'd be good because it's still kind of riding the wave of what she's on the now and it could just lead to so many different kind of booking things that I definitely would be interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Rhea comes out, Charlotte pushes Bianca Belair out of the way so they can have a showdown. Bianca's facial expressions here are so good. Charlotte's so good at being a bitch. And Rhea and her police just so good at being focused on who her target is. Um, I really like all three people here. I don't think anyone was an afterthought here. No, this is it was... Good, especially kind of the bit where Bianca kind of goes off in one when she's kind of put this head, like, oh, did she really just touch me? Is she really doing this? And just kind of hyping herself up to get involved back into it. I thought it was a kind of storytelling was at a high there. Mm-hmm. I also liked how the saying, which we have said, is we are NXT, don't disrespect anyone in my house. And Bianca and Rhea team up to take out Charlotte Flair. I think there could be calls for this to be a triple threat, for the simple fact. The way they attack Charlotte, I think she'll get a revenge on Portland, and I think she may cause a disqualification. Aye, that could be a shout as well, to be fair. I'd just like to see all three of them at it. I think it'd be a fantastic match. No, absolutely. Uh, still no official answer to the challenge, however. I think we know what's going to happen. It's just not been officially made yet. Aye. It was... Charlotte appearing was like... Mind when the OC turned up on NXT. Yes. It felt like that to me. Kind of showing that 
it's his own thing though. NXT, it's not the kind of the, the developmental brand. Mm-hmm. They're taking it a bit more seriously. So we roll on next to our six-man tag main event. We have Champa and the Dusty Rhodes Classic winners, the Broserweights, against the original lineup of the Undisputed Era: Bobby Fish, Kyle O'Reilly, and Adam Cole. This was a fun standard first six-man tag match, but. I mean, I think people want to talk about what happened after the match. Yeah, I want to talk about what happened after the match. <laughs> so, the finish of the match, is going for a powerbomb on Cole when Roddy Strong hits the knee to give Champa and the Broserweights a DQ win. When the lights go out, 2-5-20 comes up on the screen. The three circles then become the three eyes when Velveteen Dream sunglasses appear on the Titantron and then on the, you see on the far side Velveteen Dream's on the top rope he shrugs his shoulders and he just flies off takes out all four members of the Undisputed Era how good is it to see Dream back? It's, it's absolutely fantastic to see Dream back he was my I, I, hate, I hated how he got injured because he was just in such a high he was going places. He probably, maybe at some point, could have been the NXT champion. I know obviously that's about hard to say, but he could have been like a viable contender for that to be. He's always going to be Omar. His gimmick is, is like probably one of the best besides Bray Wyatt's the now. It's just, oh, it's just a fantastic, it's a fantastic asset to have Velveteen Dream back. Yeah, he's, I liked how as well. You know, he's a big guy. Like he's, you know, you forget when he's doing this whole, you know, Prince style gimmick, you know, doing these mind games and like Goldus esque mind games, that he's about six four and he overpowers all four guys. He just starts throwing his fists. He starts going for everybody. And I like how Roderick Strong, who took his title, was the last man in the ring and Velveteen Dream rips off his tights to reveal another set of tights with a family photo of him, Roderick Strong's wife and Roderick Strong's son and it says on the back Marina, give me a call I just thought that was proper proper brilliant proper Velveteen Dream-esque Yeah, it'll probably probably lead to the Velveteen Dream Roderick Strong match whether it be this takeover or a later takeover. But it's the perfect way to kind of get that feud back going again. Well, I think, who have we got? We've got um, Tegan Knox against Dakota Kai. We have Rhea Ripley v. Bianca Belair for the women's title. We have Keith Lee Dijakovic for the North American title. We have Broserweight's Undisputed Era for the tag titles. Tag titles. And Cole versus Champa. I think it'll probably be the next takeover, yeah, because they don't like to go over Just five act. matches yeah. on these takeover shows. And I don't see it being like a pre-show match either. Well, definitely not. Like that. Something like that you can't have on the pre-show. So, just to finish up here, what did you think of NXT this week? What would you give it out of, out of five stars? I'd give it four. I would give it four. four. I think I'd have to agree with you there. What was your moment of the night? Uh, 
probably Velveteen Dream coming back. I think that's, that's going to be my moment as well, actually. I actually only, obviously because it's on BT Sport at 1am, and then it's you know it doesn't go back onto the network till 3am Thursday night. So I only watched it this morning. I managed to avoid spoilers for the Velveteen Dream coming back, and I was so happy when I found it. Yeah, it was just that it was just it was it was class. It was completely unexpected as well because usually you kind of have the the rumor mill of folk that are like reappearing, and it was just something that just like had been spoke about that he was kind of even near coming back, and he just kind of appeared out of nowhere. So kind of the surprise factor was definitely there, which was good for it as well. That's NXT. Now on the other side, AEW Dynamite. The build here, um, the hook heading into this was what you know would, would Cody be able to stand the first of three stipulations? Um, that was going to be our main event segment. However, we start off with the number one contender for the AEW World Championship, John Moxley taking on Ortiz of Santana and Ortiz. Um, we kick things off a wee video package, the rivalry so far between Moxley and Jericho, as Jericho makes his way to the commentary desk. Um, I think it's just quite cool, see when you see tag team members in singles matches, I always get a wee like, thrill here. Jericho saying on commentary, Ortiz had not had a singles match in 583 days. Aye, it was, it was like a. I thought we were going to get Sammy, and that kind of match. I didn't when he, when I saw like before it was advertised. I thought, oh well, this might be something that's going to happen at some point again, maybe. Mm-hmm. But Ali Cortez is a performer, and he's a bit. I don't know if underrated is the right word, but I don't think he's up to the kind of the same way the level of praise that he should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's definitely just enjoyable seeing them again. Something I think that harms them. They were LAX or the new generation LAX in Impact Wrestling. Impact Wrestling people don't tend to get as much praise as they should because I think you know, much like we talked about Two O Five Live, you know, its previous incarnations have kind of doomed it. TNA and all the problems they had. Nobody really watches Impact Wrestling anymore. So nobody sees the great talent they've got on display. I I was really like as much as I I don't I didn't ever usually watch TNA. I only kind of watched it when you had the kind of broken gimmick coming back with what Matt and Jeff were doing, and then I watched it to see what LAX were doing because I properly enjoyed seeing that group kind of run amok in the show. Hey. We got a fun back and forth match. The eye injury of John Moxley, still, you know, a big part of the the proceeds. Um, Jericho stabbed him in the eye two weeks ago. We have Moxley with a figure four, and uh, Ortiz like poking him in the eye. You know, looking for his weak spot anyway to get out of submission. Proper good heel work. Moxley wins with a paradigm shift. He's then attacked by Santana after the match. And what I thought was a really nice touch, he gets the keys, he, he overcomes Santana, he gets the keys to the car that Jericho tried to offer him last week to not fight him, and stabs Santana in the eye with it. 
shouting, an eye for an eye, an eye for an eye. This is proper, but this is the brutal John Moxley people wanted to see in WWE. Aye, definitely. It's, uh, I would be surprised if he doesn't, if this is the last eye-cutting we see before Revolution. I think he might get a, a couple more in. I like the idea of him, like, maybe not the eye thing, but, like, taking people out, you know, one by one, the way Randy Orton did the Nexus before he fought Punk at WrestleMania 27. Also, like, the commentary team, sometimes, you know, commentary teams can kind of be, you know, they let the face away with stuff, but the heel gets kind of slated. The commentary team slated Jericho for his actions. They then slated uh, Moxley. Basically saying, like, no, this is a wrestling environment. We fight fair. You know, we shouldn't be, you know, stabbing people in the eye like street thugs and all that. Ah, yes. Definitely. I like, I think seeing them on commentary, actually. The rest in a circle. But when you're going back to, like, you wanted to see different stuff, I thought you said, oh, instead of seeing the eye getting cut out, I generally thought you were about to say, oh, we might see a finger getting cut off. (laughs) I don't know why I had that in my head, but I thought that was when you were going. I was like, wait can't be saying this. It's going to be like uh, John Moxley's version of Seven, where in the end he <laughs> sets Jericho, Jake Hager's head in a box. Oh, I, I kind of before that, actually. Say that again? I said we kind of for that happening. I think most people would be for it, just to get Jake Hager off your TV screen. <laughs> get back to Bellator, whatever he was doing. Aye, just go away. <laughs> Uh, so we go from there to our first match of the night. We get uh, SCU Linus Daniels, who was taken out by the Dark Order a few weeks ago, against the best friends Chucky T and Trent Barretta with Orange Cassidy as always by their side. Um, fun back and forth tag match. These guys met in the tag title tournament, won by SCU. Really enjoyed this match, and I think the fact that. Um, best friends were kind of their, their own downfall here. Their mid-match hug providing just enough to let SCU get back in the match and pick up the win. Uh, but it was the story after the match. It was yet another Dark Order interference. Jack, what's your thoughts on the Dark Order storyline? Ah, ah, that's that's the thing that kind of what most folk will say whenever they ask whenever they're asked about the Dark Order I want to like them but I can't it's just a bit I don't know there's so many better ways it can be booked I feel like it's dragging on a bit I feel that it's getting there with the booking I feel there's maybe a bit of a slight interest but from, from how they came in I'm just a bit kind of meh yeah, no, absolutely, I agree with you. I think um, it's something AEW does quite a bit is they don't really big up new people coming in. You know, I think weeks of promos, you know, we are the Dark Order, we are this, we are that, instead of just, you know, hey, this is, you know, Player Uno and Stu Grayson, you know, these are the Smash Bros from PWG. You should know these people. You know, I think it should have been weeks of storylines. Aye, definitely. Uh, yeah, weeks of, sorry, vignettes, sorry. Aye, it's something like 
you could just build up, build up, build up. Then just having it out of nowhere, for like, oh, we're here now. What's going to happen? They just kind of came from nowhere. But I liked the bit when they were just kind of standing in the ring, the orange cast, they just kind of rolled in, like, what, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, he gets beaten down, and then Chris Daniels makes his return to make the save. Uh, the Dark Order retreat. I'd like to see, you know how, obviously it's just, it's Grayson and it's um, Evil Uno. I'd like to see, you know, some of the, what they call the creepers that go about with them. You know, give some of them a personality, give some of them a gimmick, and let's have a big, you know, massive, you know, 10-man tag, or a uh, 12-man tag, you know. Let's have us go up against all three members of SCU and all three members of the best friends, you know what I mean? Let's just have a bit of fun with it. If it's going to be like a pure, we want to take over, we want to recruit people, well, it should be like that. It should be a case of, you know, big 12-man tags and big, you know, multi-man matches, not just, oh, by the way, it's two guys and a bunch of faceless goons. Aye, something, something like that definitely started at some point, but when... I don't know, especially when they don't have the kind of the leader of the Dark Order yet, the exalted one. I think this is going to be reminiscent of that uh, Raw General Manager storyline where they hinted at so many people and then they couldn't get the people they wanted and it just sort of faded away. I could be. I've, I was thinking when I was watching it when the highlights got put up, I feel like it's a bit of a kind of nod to the higher order. Uh, the higher power, power sorry. Yeah. I'm just reading the, from the dark order on my screen. I feel like it's a bit of a kind of nod to that, but it's just not not doing very well and trying to... Oh, what's the word? Trying to replicate it, so to speak. Yeah. No, no, I get you. Um, we go to our third, uh, third match of the broadcast. Uh, Yuka Sa- Sakazaki, I hope to God I'm saying that right, apologies to any fans if I'm not, against Dr. Britt Baker, I'm a dentist, don't you know? <laughs> she's a uh, dentist. I know, she's kept it quiet. Without this match happening and kind of what happened after it, going into it, I could not tell you who's kind of at the top of the women's division, who's doing well. There's been... The booking for it, to me, has been absolutely appalling. Apparently, like, Britt Baker is the only continual presence on AEW TV. She's on TV more than the champion, for Christ's sake. And I just look, looking at the rankings here, she's number four ranked. You're like, how the hell is that possible? She's the only person on TV. I just, I don't, I don't get it. I felt there was so much promise when AEW was starting and they were going to put such a focus on the women's division that was going to make it like absolutely fantastic. But they're, such, they're down such a big hole that it's going to take a lot for them to get out and I don't see them getting out very anytime soon. Mm-hmm. No, no, absolutely. I think it is a case of rip it up and start again. Like, you know, even if you do like a 16-woman tournament maybe, you know, See even see even if you wanted to start it at the pay per view, have Rio, you know, have another like sort of open challenge to a legend 
the way she did like, previous times, and then just start the tournament at the pay per view. Maybe have one one match on the pre show and one match on the main show, and then plug that. Oh, by the way, there's going to be you know, an eight women tournament. It's going to continue on Dynamite this week and on Dark. You know, this week as well. Just you know, make it something worthwhile. I definitely something like that for that kind of intrigue again. They would get what kind of invested, but just like having random book matches that are like meaning absolutely nothing. Like there's just there's no mean intent whatsoever now. It's it's pointless. Yeah. Uh Britt Baker playing a heel just now, as it appears just about everybody is in AEW. <laughs> you could probably name all the proper faces on one hand. Um <laughs> All the non-elite faces, that is. Um, Baker, a bit more interesting as a heel, you know, as a you know, a pissed-off, spoiled brat. I deserve to be here. You know, doesn't matter what my win-loss record is. You know, other than just the, I'm a dentist. I, I worked really hard, and I became a dentist. Jack, have I told you? I'm a dentist. You know that? You're a dentist? Yeah, who's, I'm a dentist. Who's, who's a dentist? I'm a dentist. <laughs> Can he be? Oh no, I, I know I've kept it quiet, mate, but I'm a dentist. <laughs> <laughs> that sort of <clears throat> that sort of storyline just it, it doesn't work. It never works. They're just a, I worked really hard, you know. So I think it's worked better for her. And I think the fact that she lost here doesn't really matter. You know, she was being arrogant, she was having a bit of you know, fun with her opponent. She goes to grab her hair before she goes to the lockjaw. And uh, Sakazaki, you know, comes away and it's a what you know, it's better to look like a heel that gets their comeuppance than it is just to be a boring baby face who loses. I definitely, there's definitely, I feel there's, there's more of a kind of intrigue and interest in her being a heel, especially what happened after the match, playing the maybe the dentist card of it there it makes sense mm-hmm. yeah you see that um, Sakazaki's actually lost some teeth and then Britt Baker puts the lockjaw and the booze raining down for the stands you know there's so much hatred for her at the moment and it just as much as we're saying there's no development in the division you know because it was a it was a one person division beforehand it was just her she was the only known mainstream woman like coming into this promotion, she's still the only known mainstream person, and she's the only person that's had any character development. It's like, um, did you watch Southpaw Regional Wrestling on WWE's YouTube channel? Aye. Where they hire the one lady wrestler, but they forget <laughs> to hire MD to fight her. That's kind of what Britt Baker's like at the minute. Aye, definitely. But I can also see this as maybe being the the start of like development between different characters I think like someone to maybe come up against Brett Baker at some point be it Rio or some other woman that we don't know yet yeah no, no absolutely I, I do get you though um, we then get eight man tag team action the elite um, well technically three members of the elite and Adam Page as Adam Page says he wanted to leave the elite. Uh, so we have Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks, against the tag team, uh, sorry, with the tag team champions, Adam Page and Kenny Omega, 
taking on Butcher and the Blade and the Lucha Brothers in eight-man tag team action. See if we'll be talking about this match. I'm going to go on a bit of a rant, okay? Right, fire ahead. So, I had to watch um, this week's Dynamite and clips on YouTube and, you know, had to read up on other things that happened in the matches, you know, because... AEW bragged how they'd get such a great TV deal, how they were going to be on ITV, how, you know, we were going to bring free wrestling into people's homes. And then the TV deal gets announced and it's 12 o'clock at night on a Sunday night. You know, that's that's when it, that's when AEW is going to air. And you're just like, nobody's going to be watching TV at that time. Like, it's going to fail miserably. We're going to have to wait from Wednesday to Sunday to watch... AEW. So then we get told, by the way, 24 hours after it airs in America, you can watch it on the ITV hub and on ITV On Demand, and you're like, brilliant, that's great. And then for customers that had Sky or Sky Catch-Up or Virgin Media Catch-Up, obviously ITV hub is free, so you can watch it on the Sky player. So you're like, great. Do you know how many times in like the 18 weeks AEW's been on the air? that Dynamite's been available Tuesday night? I'm going to go with, like, three. Zero. Zero. It has not... It is... I was trying to watch it at half twelve in the afternoon. Today, which is Friday the 7th, I tried to watch the show that should have been up by 10 o'clock on Thursday the sixth. ITV, sort your shit out because <laughs> I'm kind of pissed off here because it's a good match. I like to watch it and I thought, yeah, I'm watching it. See, because AEW, this isn't just a go them here because WWE do this as well. They don't upload the videos of what happened on the show in order. They just put up clips and you just kind of try to decipher yourself what happens. Especially the title of the clips as well. It's just like it doesn't yeah. say the kind of match. It says what does well. That's one. That's one was like. Uh, does Paige cost the elite a win or something like that? Yeah, it does. Hangman Page cost the elite again, so it gives away the result of the match. I actually watched, and we'll talk about it in a wee minute. The Pack Kenny Omega promo beforehand, and you see, I believe it's Tony Schiavone that's interviewing him. Well, a frustrating loss there, Kenny. And you're like, I am bastard. And this isn't a, a pop at AEW because I wouldn't have had that spoiled for me had ITV got their shit together and actually put the thing online. And it's the fact that, you know, AEW don't seem to give a shit about this. You know, it's like, I think it's just a case of we want to beat NXT in the ratings and that's all we want. Doesn't matter, you know, what happens outside of America. And it just, it really pisses me off that we were promised this great TV deal, this free TV deal, this, you know, by the way, it's so easy to watch, it's so accessible. Well, no, it's not accessible because you don't fucking have it. What, what text, also the, the on-demand thing, kind of pisses me off quite a bit. But, one, it's on ITV4, so why the hell does it need to be on at midnight? Nothing gets yeah. shown on ITV4. Nothing interesting no, on that. Have that. Right, if it's only on Wednesday, just put it on at Thursday at nine o'clock. I'll get more folk watching it. 
fucking ITV4. I get it if it's on a kind of ITV or ITV2, but it's ITV4. Oh. So you're a you're a big Love Island fan, Jack. Of course. I must confess, I say I don't watch it, but that's because I can get away with that because my missus watches it. So I sit there. <laughs> I sit there pretending to be in my phone and really I'm going like that. Oh, you bastard. How dare you <laughs> Who was it last night? Was it Naz? Aye, Naz came in and broke Demi's heart by coming with a different girl and then Callum came in with a different girl and left Shauna standing there. And then it just cut off and I, I'm watching it the night, Bill. <laughs> You're like, what's happening? I'm watching it. <laughs> um... <laughs> So, yeah, that like if it's like if it's going up against Love Island, you can honestly see why they're like, no, we don't want that. But you know, wrestling fans are used to staying up late to watch stuff. Wrestling fans are used to taping stuff and watching stuff. You know, why not give it a Love Island lead-in? You know what I mean? Like, you know, a lot of guys. You know, not to sound sexist here, it is more girls than the guys that watch Love Island. It is more guys that watch wrestling and girls, you know, that gap's getting shorter on both sides. But, you know, who's to say, you know, you won't pick up new fans because, you know, some boyfriend that's been forced to watch it, you know, sees a wrestling and goes, oh, I'll, I'll stay and watch that. Who's to say, you know, Love Island won't pick up fans because someone that's tuned in for the wrestling, you know, sees the tail end of last night's Love Island and goes, oh, I need to see what happens tomorrow. No, I mean, even with the advertisement mm-hmm. of the shows, like yeah. you've got every so often, even a different like program, say, I don't know, like Family Guy, who's on an ITV2 during the breaks, you'll have some contestants for Love Island that'll be doing a pause. Why can't, if you're watching ITV4 or whatnot, or even if it is ITV2 or ITV, you have like a Cody Rhodes or something doing like some sort of stand and they like with AEW underneath it? There's just there's no advertisement for it whatsoever you're just, you're just like, to accept this on and that's it yeah which is absolutely brutal considering Ian Sterling's uh, celeb ability received more promotion during Love Island than <laughs> than AEW receives on any part of ITV's programming WWE are getting advertised during BT Sports coverage of the Champions League and the Premier League you know and not even that like obviously we in Scotland accept our league is a lot smaller than the English Premier League. But you think there's at least a million people watching every Rangers game and at least a million people watching every Celtic game. You know, that's a million people that are seeing WWE advertised during Scottish Premier League broadcasting. And that's that's so big. Even if it's something like Celebability with Ian Sterling that only a million people watch because I've left the TV on after Love Island. It's still a million people that are seeing AEW being advertised. Aye, definitely. It's I don't know. I think ITV took it in the premise of not knowing that BT were going to get Sky. Oh, yeah, that yeah, Sky was going to lose WWE. Sorry, and also BT w- getting it and putting so much care. Mm-hmm. Sky's WWE coverage was very, very poor, and I think. Uh, I think that's maybe why they thought he could get away with it. But again, to steal Ryan Gallagher's catchphrase, anyway, back to the wrestling, because I went off on a pure tangent. I do need to sort your shit out. But I, um, 
a fun eight man tag match. It would have been even more fun if I didn't have the match ruined for me, but you know, doesn't matter. <laughs> the finish comes when Hangman tags himself in, even though he's injured, when the Bucks are going for the super kick party. Uh, all hell breaks loose, Melly breaks out, Butcher and the Blade get the pin, and no, no, sorry, it was a uh, Pentagon that got the pin, sorry. And it, Adam Page cost the elite the match. This for me was well, the 10 minutes I saw of it on YouTube was match of the night. I see the was it was it Phoenix? They jumped through the apron, or was that Pentagon Junior at the at the end when they were getting the pin? Uh, it's Phoenix. Pentagon always goes for the pin, and Phoenix suicide dives a guy so he doesn't run in and break up the pin. That was the best suicide dive that I've ever seen, ever. <laughs> he's just he's so good. He's proper, like he's just a proper high flyer. No, I loved it. I felt that like. Um, all the kind of wee stories that were done. I say storytelling a lot. I must just love it. But the kind of wee storytelling that was in the match, it was faultless. It made sense. Everything. So, uh, after the match, Kenny Omega's been interviewed. You know, there's a lot of frustration in your life. And then you see, uh, it cuts to a promo backstage. Riho standing with nameless interviewer number four at they never mentioned who she was. Um, <laughs> Pac takes the microphone off and goes, I'm giving the interview now. Go away. <laughs> and says, you know, what do I have to do to get your attention? You know, I took out your friend, Michael Nakazawa. Do I need to take out Riho? And Riho, fair play to her here, she looks terrified. She plays her part very well here. Kenny Omega automatically gives him a match. So it's going to be Kenny Omega versus Pac at what looks like Revolution. And <laughs> I love the line for Pac after it, which sets up the women's championship match between Riho and we'll talk about her opponent in a minute. He goes, you didn't think I was going to attack a woman, did you? Oh, I might be a bastard, but I'm not a beast. And then you just see the beast Nyla Rose come out for the curtain, powerbomb uh, Riho on the table. It doesn't break because Riho weighs less than a stiff breeze. And you just hear, your ass is mine. And she just puts her paw on the camera and pulls it away. Such a good like build for two matches, I thought, and just such a short segment, something I think we should be doing more of. Like, that was only like a minute and a half or something altogether, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. I thought it was brilliant. I loved it, guys. Excited for the Iron Man match that's going to happen between the two of them. And just as the challenger is going to go up against Rio, this absolute beast of a, of a wound. I thought it was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was absolutely uh, brilliant. So, our last match of the night. Um, we're not going to spend too much time on it because we kind of went over time here. Uh, we're 14 minutes over time and we actually really want to talk about the Cody segment. Uh, Joey Janela goes up against his former girlfriend, Penelope Ford's new boyfriend, Kip Saban. Um, Penelope Ford distracts Joey. 
Kip Saving is the roll up in the wind. I was reading a review of the show and someone said this would be so much better if, you know, fans knew the fact that Janelle and Ford used to go out in real life and now Saban and Ford go out in real life and how, you know, this could be a personal storyline, but they're just not giving it the attention it deserves. Uh, it's, it's something that they've not really been able to touch upon, which is pretty, which is pretty poor, because when you have the opportunity like that, when you're going to put the two of them together, you can just make it into that personal feud if they were okay with it, of course. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah, well, it's, 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 a, it's a missed opportunity. Yeah, they, they obviously are okay with it because, well, it's, it's happening on TV, so... But I just think there's more there. But uh, we'll move on to the final uh, moment of the night. So Cody Rhodes has been told if he wants a match with MGF, he has to get lashed 10 times. And if he can survive that, then next week in Atlanta, he has to take on Wardlow in a cage match. MGF was so good here. He would, like we talk about how good a heel he is and how you know unlikable he is as a heel. He was just so good here. It's just you know you really believed that. Oh my god, he's you no know, so much so that a fan attacked him at the end of it. Oh my, he's going to break Cody in half here. Yeah, everything that was everything that happened that kind of twenty minutes in the lead up to the lashings made MGF be like the biggest heel mm-hmm. in wrestling today. I like the um it was like the final insult because obviously he knows Cody can't touch him. You know, before the Bucks threw him on the in the pool on the boat, you seen, you know, he was messing with Cody's tie and he was dropping the mic for him to bend over and pick it up. And then when he bends out to pick it up, he kicks the mic away. You know, he, he's doing that sort of taunting. He's just like, yeah, my belt's too nice to be touched by, you know, the scum like you. Give me your belt. I'm going to whip you with your, just to add that extra level of humiliation. Ah, it was a, uh, just perfect heel tendencies mm-hmm. in it. The, the yeah. proviso of being better than Cody and him truly believing it mm-hmm. made it perfect. So I think the the whole thinking of MGF here is he doesn't believe Cody will survive it. So he gets three lashes in and Cody falls to the floor and he starts to show a bit of pain and that's when Arn Anderson comes out. Arn Anderson says to him, don't give him the satisfaction. And then MGF taunts Arn by going, why are you here? You can't save him, old man. Ah, it's um, that kind of on coming out and then the folk coming out after I kind of made it made it feel real in the sense of like oh you can't do anything you just have to be there and watch him suffer mm-hmm. and it made you made you love love Cody more and made you hate MGF more as well yeah um, we see two more lashes come down on the back of Cody's back and the back of Cody's back eh? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to kick your leg out of your leg (laughs) Um, so Dustin Rhodes comes down to his brother's aid 
personally, if that was my younger brother, I'd leave the bastard. I'm talking to you, Scott. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, Gary agrees with me. He did the exact same with Eric. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think we'd all do it to Stephen Wilson. So <laughs> we see Dustin come down and he goes, I'll take the rest. He's taking half. I'll take the other half. And it's MGF going, oh, you want to take half? Like teasing that he's going to hit him with and goes, yeah, it doesn't work that way. Get out of my ring, old man. Just get out. You see two rapids come down on him. Cody's starting to well up. His back looks incredibly painful at this point. The bucks come out for moral support. And then you see just top level shit house that he will call it. <laughs> it gives the 270 pound Wardlow the belt and says to him, hit him as hard as you can. You hear Dustin screaming, you know, because he knows he's in more danger now. But this isn't part of the deal, isn't part. The ref looks at MGF and MGF goes, I'm giving him one. And this is when you see just Cody break down. He falls to his knees. He tries to get back up. MGF says, get down on your knees again and hits him with the last, the second last one. It looks like Cody's not getting up. Cody's in tears here. The crowd are proper. Like there was a moment, I believe it was after the six or seven one, where Cody proper gets up and the crowd, you know, this, all this is is a guy hitting somebody with his belt, but the crowd eat it up. And, you know, the crowd at this point are proper booing. Cody can't get up. We then see Brandy Rhodes come out. Cody's crying. It's like, she's like, you've got one more, just one more, babe, one more. I, I teared up at this point. <laughs> Yeah, I was I was getting to that point and nearly tearing up as well. I've not believed something so much in wrestling as I have that moment ever. Mm. I think, apart from maybe when Ziggler was Ziggler and Miz was going to quit and they had the magic no mercy. Mm-hmm. I was I was fully invested in that, but this has got me hook like hook line and sinker. Like I'm fucking, I'm straight in with it. MGF hits Cody with the final lash of the belt. It rings round the arena. And I liked how as soon as Cody fell to the floor, everyone was in the ring and was just, that's enough. You had your 10. He did it. He's got the match next week. Cody looks like a broken man. And then just to add that last level of just total, total bastardism, as we'll call it from now on, MGF plants his boot right into Cody's dangly bits as him and Wardlow run out of the arena with fans chasing him, fans trying to kill him. That's how much he's wound up this crowd. He has them in the palm of his hands. Ah, I think it was, um, I'm looking back through the chat, what I was saying, it was, uh, this is like peak storytelling in wrestling. Mm-hmm, absolutely. But there's literally there's nothing Nothing that I can think of recently that compares to it. I was saying it was like you had the heels watching the top, where you had like the what Alien, Harlow, and you had Sammy come out and whatnot, and people were just watching it. And then you had like his kind of friends and family coming down to help him, even getting Wardlow to do one of the lashes as well. I thought at that point, MJF would be like, "Well, I've not gave my ten lashes." Wardlow's just flashy for the sake of it. I'm done. Seeing mm-hmm. as leaving at nine, I was, I would have been so far that happening. 
and then just like an out of nowhere they done the kind of final 10 but no there was everything about it even the fan attack at the end just made you feel man he has a dick mm-hmm. I, I loved it I absolutely loved it yeah it's it's absolutely brilliant storytelling I think I don't even need to ask you what your moment of the night is for Dynamite I think this this whole segment without a doubt yeah Obviously, I think I've, I think I've already said that, like this is probably my favorite dynamite that's happened mm-hmm. since AEW yeah. dynamite began. I think I've I've not checked the viewership figures for NXT and AEW because I don't know if you ever heard uh, Ross Twiddell on Cultaholic. He always tweets when people go, "Oh well, you know, AEW got seventy thousand and NXT got you know eighty thousand and he goes. Sorry, sorry, they get 700,000, NXT get 800,000. He's like, yeah, but a million and a half people watched live wrestling. What's yeah. That? I think it was something like AEW was up like the the high 900,000s and uh, NXT was near the 800,000. Really? No, I'm just a little check it. But, I mean, even at that, like, that still was fantastic numbers just for wrestling in general. No, no, absolutely. AEW, 928,000, EXT, and 770,000. So, got nearly a million viewers, and NXT got over three quarters of a million viewers. So, there you go. If you add the scores together, one... That's like 1.8 million. Uh, 1.8 million just about people watch wrestling in an era where watching stuff live isn't you know, isn't a thing it's absolutely it's, it's absolutely fantastic, I don't think there's I think that's more impressive than the numbers that Ron Smackdown can get yeah because they're obviously they're advertised heavily yeah yeah um for me, I think overall NXT was a better show, but AEW I think had the moment of the week and the segment of the week with this Cody thing. Um, I think as much as I enjoyed NXT show, I think every aspect like segment, moment, and show was all AEW for me. I thought I absolutely knocked out of the park. I don't often say that. That's fair enough. No, it is just all about opinions here. Like it is, um, you know, I I enjoyed both shows. I just I felt maybe it's the fact that I got to see all of you know NXT as opposed to the highlights version, which ITV forced me to watch. <laughs> but anyway, that is going to do it for us. Uh, I'd like to thank one of the members of the Gallant Few, Jack Graham, for joining me today. It's been a pleasure, sir, as always. Thank you very much. Uh, We will be back on the Raw Report. We are on every Raw Report in the month of February. David Hockney will be back from his ski trip next week. And if he doesn't steal the ESSR credit card again to go for a wee sunny cruise, he should be here next week with a guest of his choosing. (laughs) Um, Just a reminder, suplexretweet.com. You can find links to all of our social media accounts. You can find the links to the listening device of your choice for Suplex Retweet Extra, which is where you'll find our weekly review shows 
our retro reviews, our Monday Night Rewinds with Chris and Nathan, which I highly recommend. I've really been enjoying that recently. And Saturday Draft Live. You can also find our weekly show and all our interviews on our Suplex Retweet normal account. Again, all the links to your listening device of your choice, be it iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, or an Android podcasting device. You can find it at suplexretweet.com. Have a read at some of the articles on suplexretweet.com too. And of course, don't forget to check out our YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram page at Suplex Retweet. Again, available at suplexretweet.com. Jack, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, thank you. And we'll see you again. Bye-bye.